0: Well, good morning. Turn in your Bible to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. I want to uh, just kind of take a, a break just uh, before we get back into Revelation. We'll do that next week. Just bring a, a challenge, really, kind of a New Year's challenge for us as a church, as individuals, and as a church as well. And and uh, so I'd like for you to turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Verses uh, 1 to 4. I'll begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ... Who is your life is revealed, then you will also will be revealed with him in glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you would you would bless this word as it go out goes out. Lord, we we thank you for your precious word. It's our nourishment, it feeds us spiritually. We thank you for giving that. And the Holy Spirit to illuminate our understanding. Helping us to understand these spiritual principles. And then Lord I pray that we would be responsible to apply them to our lives. We thank you for including us. And your church. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified with our time together today. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this idea of redeeming the holidays. We talked about this at Christmas. We kind of redeem it. And, and the world has its idea of Christmas, and we need to come along and, and, and redeem those ideas and sanctify those ideas and make them scriptural. It's kind of sad when you have to do that to Christmas. Now, we just celebrated New Year's, and the world has its way of celebrating New Year's Partying and, and and you know the emphasis is I think upon the wrong thing and and when I think of New Year's it, it, this is about time it's about time uh, this is at the beginning of a, a new year we you understand that now the Bible has a lot to say about time how we use our time how we are to redeem our time and we are to use our time while we're on this earth wisely we're to do that. And so the way I like to celebrate uh, New Year's is I like to evaluate my own life. I like what uh, J.C. Ryle, he said this. He said, resolve by the grace of God that you will have regular sessions for examining yourself and looking over the account of your soul. I like that. Regular sessions. It doesn't mean you're you're constantly doing this, but there's times that you set aside that you just give an account of your soul. Where am I at? You kind of take stock. And I like to do that at the beginning of the year. Just kind of always always just wanted to do that. Just to evaluate my own life and, and think through my spiritual conditions. It's not that I just stay there all the time. This introspection, it's not necessarily good, but those times, there are times to do that. And even the world sees that, sees the need to, to examine our life. The philosophers would say an unexamined life is not worth living. They would examine their life. The thing is, is that the world's understanding, the world doesn't have any basis upon which to examine their life. It all comes down to their own happiness. That's it. They're evaluating their life. I'm happy, so I must be good. Everything's going well. That's their standard, their own happiness. But for believers, our life is around Christ. Our life is based upon Christ. He is the center of our life. And that's what Paul's saying here. First, in the verse 1, he says, If you have been raised up with Christ, verse 2 or no, verse 3, he says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse for uh, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, and then we'll we'll look and we'll be right there with Him. Our life is is in Christ. Our life revolves around Christ as believers. Now Paul said that very thing in Colossians chapter two when he says, "I have died, and my life is is in Christ." It's not me living, but it's Christ living in me in Colossians two twenty. So when we evaluate our life as Christians, we evaluate our lives at the beginning of the year. We begin to take stock and make sure that we're that we're in right relationship with Christ. He is the He is the standard. That's the way we evaluate our lives. And here's the way it goes. So as I as I grow as a Christian in 2016. Um, I, I hopefully have, my faith is strengthened. My understanding of spiritual things, uh, are more clear. And, uh, what I don't want to do is have the same habits in 2016 or 2017 that I did in 2016 or even 2015, but that's what happens. We, we kind of grow in our mind and our thinking becomes clearer and our faith is stronger, but our habits are the same. You know what I'm talking about. If you've lived any length of time, we just we transfer the same habits in two thousand from two thousand sixteen to two thousand seventeen. But sometimes we need to take stock. We need to stop and we need to think. We need to make some adjustments in our lifestyle that that would catch up to our thinking, our biblical thinking. Now, most of the time it's just a gradual thing. We go through, we read scripture, and we see. Yeah, I see this and I, I, I make a little change in my life. And there's, there's little increments of change. But sometimes we need to just have sweeping changes. And say, I evaluate my and I see that my habits are not lining up with my growth. My spiritual growth. It's kind of like a, a camera. We all have these cameras on our cell phones. Now we're taking pictures of everything. When you take a picture of something, you or when you get closer to it, and you're getting ready to take a picture, as you get closer, the camera itself now has an automatic lens and it adjusts, right? And the focus becomes clear. When you get closer, it adjusts. And sometimes you have to, if you have a, a different camera, you have to adjust it manually. You have to focus manually. And that's what I'm talking about here. The the more we look at Christ, the closer we become to Christ, the our Our vision becomes clearer and we have to take those times to to kind of adjust our lives, refine our lives to make it line up with what we know in our spiritual growth, in our own minds, in our own understanding. Now, and that's what's going on in this passage here. There's basically one command in this passage. I know it's seen in two different places, but it's basically one command. And it's for believers, for those who have been raised up with Christ. It's for those who have died and your life is hidden in Christ and who, Christ who is our life. If you could say that about your life, then this command is for you. And what is that command? Keep seeking the things above. Keep seeking the things above. That's the that's the command in this, and it's a continuous action. It's constantly keeps keeping on seeking. Don't stop seeking. You sought Christ in 2016. Keep going in 2017. Keep looking above. Keep looking above. In fact, it's a kind of a double. And and don't look at the things on the earth. Don't look at the things of the earth. It's a matter of focus, isn't it? When we look at the things of earth, it kind of draws us in. It kind of pulls us in. And we just kind of live this superficial life without the the spiritual elements. And now, that doesn't mean that we're not good stewards of what God has entrusted us to or with. He's entrusted us with time. He's entrusted us with money. He's entrusted us with talents and abilities and opportunities He's given us houses and cars, tools that we can use for ministry. And we will give an account for those someday. So it's not as though we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, as the saying goes. But it is a matter of focus. It's a matter of focus. We don't get pulled into these physical, physical things. It's a matter of focus. But now here's the deal. When I'm focusing on Christ, when I'm intentionally, deliberately looking at Him, then I can more properly evaluate my own life. Then I begin to see my life as clear, uh, much more clear. You know where I need to deal with sin, where I need to, what I need to change, and I can evaluate my life more properly, and that will lead to godly behavior. That will lead to changes in my behavior as I evaluate my life. I look at Christ, I evaluate my life in light of that, and it changes my behavior. Sanctification—it's the sanctification process—and I hope at the end of 2017 I will be more sanctified, more have more godly behavior than I did at the beginning of 2017. As Christ rules in my heart, as we've been even be, been singing about this. But here's the danger. And here's where I'm afraid that we, what we do. I believe we don't really stop. I don't believe we evaluate our lives. We just kind of go with the flow of, of Christianity. Of, well, this is just what Christians do these days. We just kind of go with the flow. But I will say that modern Christianity is not to be trusted. Is not to be trusted. Many of the spiritual leaders today are not. They don't know the word of God. And, and they're not spiritual. They're just not spiritual. Um, kind of a mixture of scripture with psychology and, and philosophy. The world's philosophy. And, and they're leading the American church in a, in a, in a wrong direction. You say, well, that's just a slightly wrong direction. But yeah, but five years down the road, ten years down the road, if you're supposed to be going this way and you're going this way, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to miss the mark. Now, today's Christianity seems to think that Christianity is not supposed to be hard it's supposed to be easy, it's kind of it's supposed to be convenient for me, and, and, and it's supposed to be practical and, and reasonable. It's kind of cool to be Christian, even entertaining, kind of fun to be Christian. But that is not the Christianity of the Bible. It's not. And that's not the road as a, as Christians, that's not the road that we want to go down. The Christianity of the Bible is a life of sacrifice. It's a life of even persecution sometimes. And sometimes it's not reasonable. In fact, the world will look at it and say, well, that's foolish. You you mean you take your one day to sleep in and you get up early and you come to church? That's foolish. It's foolish. The world's going to say that. In fact, they may even persecute us. And any Christianity that is even slightly off is, is off. It's not true Christianity. Now, it's hard for us to gauge that sometimes. It's hard for us to evaluate that. Let me let me show you, the, see if I can point out the difference. Here's the way John Piper, he, he made this statement. I thought it was very wise on how to distinguish these things. He says this. The crucial question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven, think about it. If you can have heaven with no sickness and with no and with all of the friends that you have here on this earth and all of the good food that you have uh that you like and all the leisure activities that you enjoy the natural beauties that you've ever seen all of the physical pleasures that you've tasted uh with no phys- no uh, human conflict and no natural disasters and you could be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there Now, think about that. You know what? There's a lot of Christians that would say, man, give me that peace. If if I can have no sickness and all the leisure activities, all the fun, all the... Christ is not there. That's almost irrelevant. It's almost irrelevant. And boy, you don't... Never think about that. For the believer, a true believer, our life is revolved around Christ. There's nothing else. It's not about my happiness. It's not about my fun and my leisure activity. Now, those things happen things happen, but you begin to see begin to see, if we're disciples of Jesus Christ, then Christ is the center of our life, and it's slightly going off kilter sometimes. B.B. Warfield, he said this over a hundred years ago. He said, "If everything that is called Christianity in these days is Christianity, then there is no such thing as Christianity. A name indiscriminately applied to everything describes nothing. And that's the way it seems to be today. Christianity kind of means everything. You can, you can be anything and, and just be a Christian. As long as you're not a, a Muslim, then, you, you, then you're a Christian. Then you're a Christian. It's kind of Im, indiscriminately applied. And, and the thing is, is we don't evaluate our life in light of Christ. We just kind of evaluate our life in light of what our pastor used to say, cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity. Just the drift of the world. Let me tell you, the drift of the world is influenced heavily by Satan. By Satan. So, our lives belong to Christ. Bought and paid for. And we must continue to evaluate our life in light of Him. And orient our life toward Him. Now, here's the statement. Uh, the principle. As believers, our life must revolve around Christ. He is the king and we submit ourselves to him, right? He is the, the hub of the will of our universe. We revolve around around him. Around him. And that's a Christ-centered life is what we might say. Now, How do you, how do you live a, a Christ-centered life? What exactly does that mean? It kind of sounds super spiritual. It's like you uh, you put on your white robe and you go out and sit on this mountain and you cross your legs and you just kind of meditate on Christ and you just keep seeking the things above. It's kind of mystical, kind of ethereal, but that's not at all what Paul is saying here. It's not what Paul is saying. It's not. It's very very tangible. When we seek the things above, there are some tangible, physical things that we. That we do. It's not just some hyper spiritual level of spirituality. That we just kind of live there. It's not that at all. That's not a concept that you really find in scripture. A Christ centered life. There's three areas. When you look through scripture. And we'll look at the first point through here. And then we'll find some others in scripture. But there's three areas. There's three areas. And they're very, very practical. Very practical. When we are. Focused on Christ, it's not going to be just some mystical thing. It will be very, very practical in working its way out in our lives. And again, this is just a a reminder. This is a reminder for us to evaluate ourselves and say, Okay, 2017, here's what I want. I want a Christ-centered life. Now, number one. Number one. A Christ-centered life affects us personally. Personally. We take personal responsibility. We take responsibility. Now that doesn't sound very, very spiritual. The, the concept today is we just kind of sit back and, boy, God said He will move us and God will work through us. And there's, the, there's an element of that. There's, there is that. But in Scripture, we are to take responsibility. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament teaches personal responsibility. Even in in our spiritual life, personal, individual responsibilities. As as Christians, our lives, our life is, our Christianity is, uh, the Christian life is an individual thing. Uh, No one can take responsibility for your spiritual life. Now sometimes people, oh, that's the pastor's job. He's the one that's supposed to oversee, and he's the one that's supposed to tell me if I get out of line. And, and it's kind of, he, he is responsible. And the elders, the elders that we have, oh, they're responsible, they're responsible. Or sometimes maybe a woman would say, well, that's the husband's job. He's the spiritual leader. He's the one that has taken responsibility of me. No. No one can take responsibility for your heart. You have to do that. No one can know your heart. You can be just as sinful on the inside and still look good on the outside. And the thing is, is you will live with the consequences of the decisions that you make. Now, we can do what we can as elders. And if you're going off the deep end, we will try to pull you back. But there's much more. You have to take responsibility for the decisions that you make spiritually. You say, well, that sounds like a lot of legalism there legalism is not having standards. Legalism is trying to manipulate God with those standards. We're not trying to manipulate God. In fact, Paul said, discipline yourself for the sake of godliness. And that's what I'm talking about. It's personal discipline. What do you do on a a daily basis? In fact, there's really two parts to our life. Two parts to our life. just want to go through this. Two parts to our life. There's the first part, and that, that's where we see in verse one. Paul says to keep seeking the things above. Now that's kind of the general direction of our life. The true north. That's, and that's a professing believer. That's, we're professing our belief in Jesus Christ, and we're, we're going in that direction. That's toward Christ. We're seeking the things above, we're, and Paul says to keep seeking those things. And that's a general direction of our life. The general direction of life. We understand that. If you're in an engineering program, I I want to be an engineer. Well, the longer you are in that program, the more you walk that way, then you begin to realize, oh, okay, I I need to specialize in something. So you have the general, and you have the very specific. Here's what I'm going to do to get to that point. Now, uh, how do you keep seeking the things above? Paul tells us that in verse 2. Here's what you do. And this is the very... Day to day part of our life. We have the general direction and we have the day to day. He says, set your mind on the things above. Now that's very specific. That's something that we are called to do. It's not just a, a general direction of our life, but it is, it is something that we intentionally, deliberately do. And that's what, that's what it is here. Direct. Direct our attention and thought to something. It's like when you have a little kid, a, a baby, and you want to get their attention, sometimes you'll grab their head and just turn it toward, and look at mommy, I want your attention. And that's, that's it. It's deliberate, intentional, uh, directing our thoughts toward Christ, toward heavenly things, where Christ is, where His kingdom reigns. You get that so we have the general direction of our life but yet we have this the step by step of daily life as well and step by step of daily life is setting our mind intentionally deliberately on the things of Christ you see that now we cannot say oh i've got my eyes on Christ i'm going in this direction but our daily lives are going in this direction they the two have to be the same right they they have to line up and the adjustment is going to be made with us. Christ doesn't adjust His life to us. We have to adjust our lives to Christ. Uh, Steve Lawson said this. I thought it was very very well put. Jesus doesn't follow us. We must follow Him. And man, I think we got that backwards sometimes. And we, we're we going to go this way. Uh, God, you come along with this. That's not at all. That's not at all it. Our daily routine of our life must fit the general direction that we're going with Christ. So well, how do you do that? How do you set your mind on the things above? Well, that's a good question. Let me give you four, four or five things. Number one, you have to daily feed yourself. This is direction. You set your mind on something. You have to feed yourself from the Word of God. That's how we look at the things above. This is, this is our window, if you will, to the things above. To the things of Christ. It's not going out in, in the field and kind of empty in our mind. And just whatever hops in our mind, well that's it. No, our window to the things above, our window to Christ is through this. And we must feed ourselves, we must feed ourselves the word of God. Now, I, I use that term... And the body analogy. Because our body needs not nourishment, doesn't it? Our body needs that. And if we don't feed ourselves, then what happens? We begin to become weak. We kind of starve ourselves. We kind of get skinny and, and, and kind of anemic. Even if we just say, oh, once a year, or, or I'm sorry, once a week I'm going to eat. Every Sunday I'm going to eat. No, you see where I'm going with this. We can't do that. We would never grow physically and spiritually if you just think, oh, I'll come and I'll I'll feed myself on Sunday and uh, and that's on. Not feed myself during the week. You're going to starve to death spiritually. You're going to be weak spiritually. And you may not even know it. We have to feed ourselves spiritually. I like what, uh, again, J.C. Ryle, he says, knowledge of the Word does not, not come by intuition. <laughs> and sometimes I think we think that. Oh, I just... You know, just I know that I've heard that story before. I've no, no. He says he goes on to say it takes the only way to obtain it is direct or diligent, diligent, regular, daily, attentive reading, and that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. And men, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to become strong spiritually so you can feed your family, so you can bring your family along as a spiritual leader. Number two, daily, we need to repent of our sins. I don't know about you, but I sin daily. Now, I don't get up in the morning and say, oh, hmm, now let me see, how am I going to sin today? No, I don't do that. It's a stumbling. It's a. I don't intend to many times, uh, but when I do, I have to, Repent of that. Now, if taking in food, taking in spiritual food from the Word of God, that's, that's nourishing to us. When I don't, when I don't repent, when I keep those toxins held up in, if we, in our spiritual body, it's just like keeping the toxins held up in our physical bodies. We don't eliminate the waste physically. What happens? My, uh, my mother-in-law, who is a nurse, so he will tell you this, that you will die faster by not eliminating waste out of your body than you would by taking in food, by, by starving yourself. You're going to die faster. Why? Because all these toxins. We have to daily repent of our sin. See, see how do you do it? Well, He said, confess your sin. Confess. Just confess. Say the same thing that God says about your sin. And you recognize, God, I don't like this. I don't like being a sinner. I confess, this is sin. I repent of this. I don't want this any, anymore in my life. Number three, prayer. Prayer. Prayer to a believer is, is like breathing. It should be the most natural thing. Sometimes we have to build prayer time into our lives. But beyond that, Paul said to pray without ceasing. He said to just constantly be in a state of communion with God. Prayer. And then number four, we'll just... Number four is daily live your life to the glory of God. Daily. Now think about this. You get up in the morning and say, Okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to give this day to you. This is your day. It's not just Sunday, but every day is yours. I'm going to live my life to your glory. Not to my own happiness. Not to my own happiness. We have to do that daily. I'm not going to seek my happiness, Lord. I'm going to seek your glory. Living it day to day to your glory. A Christ-centered life is very tangible. Those are things that we must do. We cannot profess to be Christians. We cannot profess to, to be followers of Jesus Christ and yet be doing these daily steps that are taking us this direction or taking us this direction. We have to set our mind on the things above. On the things that of Christ. Number two. Let's go on to the next point. The Christian Or the Christ-centered life revolves around our immediate family. It revolves around our family. That's tangible. That's tangible. If we say, well, I'm focused upon Christ, that must include our family responsibilities. We cannot neglect those family responsibilities. Now, I want you to turn to the left. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Focus on family. And this is the passage that was read for us earlier. Now, I want you to see how critically connected the spiritual life is to your family responsibilities. In verse 25, let's start with the husbands. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself up for her. Listen, husbands, you are a picture. You're an illustration of what Christ did for his bride, for the church. And he loved his church. Now that's intricate. If you say, I'm following Christ, but you're neglecting your wife, husband, there's a problem. You're not really following Christ. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a sacrificial love. That's an incredible kind of love. Verse 22, wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, as to the Lord. As you submit yourself to your husband, that's the same as submitting yourself to Christ. Now, if there's any conflict, and sometimes there is, got some scoundrel husbands out there. That are not living the way they're supposed to be uh, living. But you submit yourself. And you follow. You're always following Christ. And if there's ever a distinction. You follow Christ and not your husband. But as in following and submitting yourself to your husband. You are doing it. It says as unto the Lord. Wow. You mean my following Christ. My focus on Christ will will make me submit to my husband. Yeah. Look down in chapter 6 and verse 1. Children. Children obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger and bring them up in the fear or the uh, discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, family responsibilities, even slaves. That's within the household generally, but slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. As to Christ. You mean as I submit to my master, then I'm submitting to Christ? Yes. Unless there's some kind of huge contradiction there. Yes. So it's very, very tangible. Tan- following Christ is, it means doing and fulfilling your family responsibilities. Notice too that we're all playing roles. It's just a role. I play the role of a father. I play the role of a husband. It's a role. But these are God-given roles. These are God-given responsibilities. And to truly focus upon Christ is to uh, fulfill my family roles as unto the Lord, my family responsibilities. See, why is this so important to Christ? Why is it so, why does He make this connection so? Because here's the deal. God works in our life. He does so most of the time by who? By the people closest by us. Closest around us. Those around us. He uses to sanctify us. That is to make us holy. To, to set us apart from the world. And to to rub off those rough edges that we have. To work on that heart. And He uses other people around us. Our family. To make us holy. And holiness. Now holiness Don't get confused here. Holiness is simply living the way God intended us to live. It was before sin came into the world. Here's the way you are to live, Adam to live to the glory of God. It's just simply living the way. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. J.C. Ryle, again, I know I'm quoting him a lot, but here's what he says. He says, "Resolve by the grace of God that you will make Christianity beautiful to the world. We're to make Christianity beautiful to the world. How in the world do you do that? Just by living holy lives. By having families that are the way they're supposed to be. You say, how's how's that? The, The way you talk to each other, the way you interact with each other, the attitudes that you have with one another, the love And the forgiveness that is seen. We cannot say, I'm following Christ. And our families just be shambles. We're not doing, and and to neglect our family responsibilities, that's not following Christ. We see this with government, don't we? We can look at the government. And when the government is operating the way it's supposed to, to, nobody says anything. Oh, it's great. Man, the government's just fine. But when the government is corrupt, it's terrible. say, man, that is not, you just want to wipe everything out and start all over. That's not the way government is supposed to be run. And it's it's putrid and it's sickening the the way you see that. Listen, our families, our personal lives, and then our families, even our churches, are to be run in a way to bring beauty to what what we are, what we're doing. Bring holiness. When we're functioning, when our families are functioning, the way they're to function is a beautiful thing and it brings glory and honor to God. So I challenge again, husbands, men, aspire to have a beautiful family. In 2015, have other kids kids say about your kids, man, I'd love to be a part of your family. It's a great family. It's functioning the way a family should function. Listen, that's what I want for uh, Dana's Bible Church. I want other people to look at our church and say, Man, I want to be a part of that church. They're functioning the way a church is to function. It. The way they deal with each other. The forgiveness. The love that they have. Man, it just draws me. It draws me. Number three. We'll just move quickly through this last one. A Christ-centered life revolves around His church. He cannot divorce the two. He cannot divorce the two. Ephesians. You're in Ephesians. Turn back to chapter 2. Let me just show, point out a couple things. We won't read all the verses here, but chapter 2, we'll just look at the last verse of chapter 2. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. God has chosen you. He has pulled you in and he said, I want, I'm going to have you a part of my church. So he brings you in. He builds you into his church. Now here's what he says in, verse, in chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Well, you've been called into the church. Now, here's the way. You need to walk in step with that. You need to walk worthy of that calling. If He's going to add you to His church, you need to be in lockstep with that. Well, how's that? Verse 2. With with humility and gentleness and impatience and showing tolerance to one another. In love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. That's just within the church. The bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. You, you get the idea. Look down at verse 16. Now here's what's happening. Verse 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted together. Now that's us. We're, we're individuals being fitted together and held together by what? Every joint and supply according to the proper working of each individual part. That's each one of us. Each, of in the, in each individual part. Causes the growth of the whole body for the building of itself in love. A church functioning the way it's supposed to function. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's the body of Christ. Just, here's, the way, here's the way it's supposed to work. And this, is the, this is the body of Christ. Man, I love, I love that, that picture. To focus upon Christ. Christ, He loves His church. And to focus upon Christ is to focus upon His church. He laid a foundation for His church. He purchased His church with His own blood. He sacrificed to redeem His church. And now He reigns over His church and purifies His church and feeds His church and grows His church. And someday He will marry that bride. It's a wonderful picture. Wonderful picture. And we see that in chapter 5 is husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church. We see that picture. It's a wonderful picture. It's a wonderful thing. And there is no such thing as a Christian that is, a, that is not a part of the body of Christ. Now, that's the big body of Christ, that's the large body of Christ. But when we focus upon Christ, the focus has to be on his church as well. Even the New Testament believers, they were all related to a local church, a local church. A true believer really cannot divorce himself from the body of Christ and must not divorce himself from the local body of Christ either, because in detaching himself from the body of Christ or local body of Christ, here's what he's doing. Turn over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19. Now look at this. This is so striking. First John chapter 2, verse 19. You know the verse well. Quoted it many times. There or They went out from us. This is the local church. The local church John is talking about here. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would remain with us. But they went out so that it might be shown that they were not really of us. They weren't even a part of us. I mean, they, they, they looked like they were a part of the, the body, but, but they, they proved that they weren't by, by leaving. They detached themselves from the local body, and that showed that they were not part of the larger body of Christ. Now, that's a warning. That's a warning to us. I, I tried to think of some illustrations of this, and there's really just some very bad illustrations, but I'll give you a couple. It's like saying, I love hunting, but I don't like weapons. What? I love hunting, but, but I don't like guns. I don't like shooting guns. Or maybe you shoot a bow or something like that. You might can get around it. But it's like saying, I love KFC, but I don't love chicken. <laughs> you can't divorce the two, can you? you? can't divorce the two. Oh, I love Christ, but <laughs> His body, forget that. Local church, Forget that. You can't divorce the two. Listen, a church has to be a priority. If you say, I'm focused upon Christ, I'm focused upon Christ, it has to be a priority to you. This is His body. You are part of it. Something is missing when you're not here. We're growing together. This is this is going to be, did you catch this? A dwelling of God. And you're part of that. You're part of that. Is church attendance a priority to you? Or are you just too busy? 2017, what do you think? 2017, you are going to just make up any excuse to not come to church? As believers, if we say our life revolves around Christ, it's going to revolve around our personal responsibility of those daily things that we have to do. It's going to revolve around our family responsibility. And it's going to revolve around our church responsibility. It just is. just is. If we say we're going this direction, then our daily steps, then we will set our mind on the things above. Set right here, right now. I'm going to deliberately turn my attention, boom, to go in this direction. And it's going to be about self, discipline in certain areas, family, church, And people will look on us and they will say, man, they just keep seeking the things above. They just keep seeking the things above. And that's what we want. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this reminder, Lord. Sometimes it's just good to take stock. What are we we supposed to do? What does a Christ-centered life look like? No, Lord, it's more than this. It's more than this. But, but these are just the core. This is just the essentials, if you would. These are just a daily setting our mind on. Lord, the d- general direction of our life, we want it to be you. We say we claim to be your disciples. You're We're learning from you. We're following after you hard. Then, Lord, I pray that our daily steps would match that, would line up with that. Lord work in our hearts work in our hearts and I pray these things in Jesus name amen I'm going to ask you to stand if we can help you in any way now these are spiritual things you have to wrestle with these things in your own heart but if we can help you if we can pray with you we'd love to be able to do that we have elders that be able to do uh, to, to help you and um, I'll be at the back and you can catch any of our elders and, or even our deacons, really. We would love to, to do that. Even throughout the week if we would like to, you'd like for us to pray with you or help you in spiritual ways, we would love to be able to do that. We bring a challenge before you today. 2017. 2017. Are you going to be, are you going to set your mind on the things above? I pray that you will. It was a challenge to my own heart when I started pulling these things together. I think, I look at myself and I say, Carl, are you really seeking Christ? Are you really seeking Christ? Tim, come ahead. Praise God.